This show is sponsored in part by ADT. Up next, Handy Guy Gardening? Welcome to the Handy Guys Podcast, a podcast for handy guys from handy guys. Here are the handy guys themselves, Brian and Paul. So, Brian, do you know that there are some things that a handy guy can do other than build uh, bookshelves and fix things and, you know, stuff outside? I don't know. That's all I have time for is (laughs) fixing things. Normally, I do too, and I don't have a lot of time in the summer because not only am I involved in various activities and podcasting and things like that, but also (laughs) Little League Baseball and other stuff. So, when it came to gardening... I um, I already have some landscaping and some perennials and annuals we plant, things like that, but I don't all do a lot of gardening, and certainly I haven't done any vegetable gardening in the past. Yeah, I always you know, help my dad rototill the garden, and we'd put in the tomato plants and the pepper plants, and Right. that was usually about it. You still do that? No, <laughs> not anymore. That was okay. when I was a teenager. Yeah, so. and, and I didn't even help my parents that much. They did to have several gardens, but they did all the work. Um, so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to get, I want to do some gardening. I want to eat some of my own food. I want to get involved. But I knew my limitations, and that is time. So I started to investigate, and this is probably a year or two ago, and I came across a technique of gardening called square foot gardening. Okay, I want to hear all about it's, it. It's all the rage. We'll talk about that in this podcast, and about how anyone can begin growing their food, even if you don't have a lot of space. Okay. You can do it. We'll talk about the advantages of square foot gardening. But before we do that, we should provide our contact information. Sure. Just go to our website, www.handyguyspodcast.com. Click on the contact link, and you can fill out the form right there, or just email us at handyguyspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're at handyguys. And make sure you fill out our survey. Yes, we have a survey up there. It'll be up there for uh, for a while. So go onto the website and it's right there. It says take a the survey, top. right? Take the survey. Just and also, if you listen to us on iTunes, please fill out, uh, if it would be, uh, please help us and fill out a, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, a review. You can, yeah, you can you rate can us. you can do a review. And you can and write a little... A, yeah. Yeah. It'd be great if you could write a little review. The more the merrier. Um, it's not too difficult. I haven't written, I don't think, any for ourselves. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners. And we've gotten some pretty good reviews. Um, I'm thank, I thank those who already have done this. It's been uh, very helpful. And uh, also, subscribe to us on use the RSS button on our page. You can subscribe to us or through iTunes. If you aren't already, you could subscribe and get the uh, podcast that way. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Got a project on your honeydew list? Let the handy guys know about it, and they may talk about it on their next podcast. Okay, Brian, before I discuss uh, square foot gardening, I wanted to bring up uh, sort of an ongoing topic that I want to do here in the next few weeks. And I'm going to call this uh, call the segment Facts That Every Handy Guy Should Know. Okay. Facts that every handy guy right. should know. Okay, because so you're springing this on me, Paul. Yeah, so now I gotta. You don't know this is the, coming. The wheels are turning here. So, okay. for instance, every handy guy, and this is just bare bones basics, okay. should know the difference between, a, say, a flathead screwdriver 
and a Phillips head. Okay. Now, perhaps uh, an advanced handy guy will know, for instance, the difference between a, uh, a Phillips head, a square head, and why one became more popular than the other. <laughs> okay. And perhaps the pros and cons of a square head over a Phillips. But that would be advanced. But the basic thing, you know, we know the difference between screwdrivers. For instance, uh, you know, a handy guy might know what the voltage is of the electrical system in the United States, what common household voltage is. Well, coming into the house or at the outlet? In the house, at the outlet. It's 120 volts. Right. And so, Alternating current, that's not correct. direct current. And so those are just basic things. So I want to talk about one item, and I'll, I'll ask you, and you can tell me the difference. Lefty-loosey, righty-tighty? <laughs> no, this okay. is a basic thing. What is more dangerous, a full tank of gasoline, a full gallon jug, say, in your garage, mm-hmm. or one that has just been emptied? or a partially filled tank of fuel, gasoline, in the garage? You want me to answer yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Do you more want da- my opinion, what, or do you want the fact? I, I, want, the, the, I want the fact, uh, and I want to know— zero doubt about the veracity of my no, opinion. it could be anecdotal evidence. <laughs> <laughs> it could, <laughs> like, for instance, you know, if your house caught on fire from a full tank, then you could argue that you know, a full tank of gas is more dangerous. But I, I want to know what you think is what handy, every handy guy should know about fuel and whether which is more dangerous. It is the nearly empty container. Okay. Because the— Vapors are more combustible than the liquid. Right. And I even, Am I correct? I even read something that said the vapors are the only thing that are combustible. That's what combusts. But I don't know how that makes sense because you can light, you know, open pail of gasoline. Not to say you should do that, but it, it seems to me it would light just fine. But I, but I think that you're on it. On uh, you, ha- you have it correct in that the vapors are extremely uh, explosive and flammable. Right. Um, I've seen people put out matches with gasoline. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. You could do that. If so, that, That's right. That would make sense. That would fit with some of the things I had read. Now, right. what's interesting, Brian, is that, uh, and again, this do is- Do not try that at home. Yeah, don't, don't. Don't prove us or anything. These are but, anecdotal stories that but, I read. Yeah, Mythbusters is running into this all the time where they're trying to get things to explode that have gasoline right. in them. And they need to- build some kind of misting systems for the gasoline and uh, things like that. Yeah, I even heard, this is again a a personal story from somebody that posted somewhere on the internet about how somebody emptied a gas tank. It was an older style metal gas tank Mm -hmm. because it had a slight leak in it and they wanted to solder that hole. They emptied it completely, let it, gave it time to air dry or something. Who knows if that part of the story is true. Then went to weld the hole shut or solder it shut and ended up blowing up the can and themselves or something like mm. that. The point is, even if you'd emptied a gas can all the way, there's still vapor in it. That's right. That's right. As that gasoline evaporates, turns into a vapor then that's what's combustible or even explosive. Okay, so we'll call this the basic handy guy fact that a full tank is less dangerous, generally speaking, than a partially full or empty if that may have been just emptied right. and it could have vapor. So you have to take, you know, take it very seriously if you have even an empty can. Now, follow-up question then. If that's true, mm-hmm. we talked in the past about how best to prepare your power tools for the winter. And we talked about draining the fuel and, and taking that fuel, putting it in your gas tank or using it up so that you have fresh fuel the following spring. Correct. Is it better then 
uh, yeah, I guess it's still true. You should drain it out of your power tools. But what about the storage of fuel? Are you better off having your fuel cans full of fuel or having them emptied and sitting in your garage for the winter? Well, the manufacturers such as John Deere, I think, recommend if you're going to store it, to store it with store it full. I, I think that even came from uh, one of the companies that has a gas treatment where they say if you're going to store fuel, fill the container all the way up with the appropriate amount of the gas treatment right. in it and then exactly. seal it up. Well, Brian, uh, the stable makes sense. And I'm wondering also, I've even read some things that, that perhaps just a full can is good because of all of the alcohol that's now in the gas, the gasohol, it's actually helping to uh, eliminate the moisture in the can. Exactly. And, and, and I think so. we're going to have to do a whole show yeah. on ethanol again yeah. and perhaps bring in an expert on the uh, the detriment that that can cause to especially small Absolutely. engines. So, Paul, we've already established that the gas can that is only partially full is more dangerous than a full gas can. That's right. When is the inverse true? When is a full gas can more dangerous? Uh, I suppose when someone intentionally wants to light it. <laughs> right, when they want to burn your house down. So right. uh, you may want to make sure you have a smoke detection system oh. in your house with central station monitor. You can get that monitoring right now if you call ADT, the leader in home security, and you can get $850 of equipment and activation for free. Yeah, all you have to do is call 866-778-3127. That's 866-778-3127. And in fact, uh, as we mentioned, ADT is the number one monitoring service in the country. I'm sure you've all heard of them. And, and you get their world-famous yard signs, too. Oh, you get one of those blue yard signs? Yeah, one of those ADT signs, so people oh. know that you're secure. Maybe I could put it in my garden. There you go. So <laughs> we're going to talk about gardens right yeah. after this. All right. $99 installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35 to $99 per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers. Don't know where to get reliable answers for your do-it-yourself projects? Why not search the Handy Guys Archive at handyguyspodcast.com. All right, Brian. So here it's time to talk about gardening, and I am certainly no expert gardener. In fact, the reality is I know next to nothing about gardening. I know that you got to water. That's correct. You got to weed. Correct. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, it, it is correct, but it, certain systems are have much less weeding than okay. others. And you've got to... Um, you got to plant the plants. You got to plant plants, You right? got to sometimes cut them. You got to know when to separate them. Yeah. See, There's I, other things. Okay. All right. So now we're way beyond me. All right. <laughs> and we were, there, we're beyond me as well. So this is why I selected a system that is virtually foolproof. Foolproof for what? Like, what do you grow on? You can grow almost any kind of vegetable or perennial or annual okay. in this system. See, I'm so brown thumb at this. Okay. I don't even, I always have trouble remembering the difference okay. between annuals and perennials. Well, uh, let's, let's just talk about, well, annuals are just plants that typically don't last through the season. Through and, winter, perennials and perennials come back come every back. year. Yeah. Okay. So, but let's just talk about food that you can eat. We won't even deal with uh, other plants, although they will all fit into this system. Okay, so, so what kind? Like, so let's what are you talk about, about, typically when you do gardening, you, you mentioned tilling, I think, in the beginning of the show. Right, right. Uh, you have to prepare your soil. 
Right. So a lot of times, if your soil is no good, that means a lot of backbreaking work, turning it over, adding nutrients, yes. a- adding a fertilizer, perhaps manure, compost, mm-hmm. something to mm-hmm. make that soil so that it's in good shape. Even after you do all that backbreaking work, you may have just tilled up a lot of weed seed that's already in uh-huh. your ground, and you're now going to have a lot of weeds to contend with. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, if they're in new developments, a lot of times the developers take away all the good topsoil. So you you only have clay to deal with, which right. is my situation. Okay. And rock. And some people just have hardly any soil, period. They have two inches of soil, then sand or rock underneath that. That's what I have. I've got topsoil, but it doesn't go down. Okay. Below, below that is just the surface of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bad. So um, that's partly why I turned to square foot gardening. Now, the reason it's so called... One square, square foot? Well, it could be. The reason it's called square foot gardening is that you compartmentalize the area of your gardens by square feet. So normally, you think of farms and most people's gardens, they're done in rows. Okay, yeah, sure. Now, this system is done by squares. And squares. Squares. And so rows, you have a bigger... Sp- usually, you need a bigger area to, to, to garden, and uh, you have to... Uh, you have a lot of... Uh, you have to figure out how you're going to get to all those rows. You got to figure out where you're going to put it. You have to turn the soil, all that we already mentioned. With square foot gardening, you use raised containers or raised beds, boxes essentially that you build. What you need to use in this gardening is you add all of the soil components yourself. So you use a third of peat moss, a third of vermiculite, and a third of compost. You mix these ingredients together and you come up with a material that you're going to grow in. Now, let me talk about why you use this material. Okay. Um, so I know vermiculite. Isn't there an insulation based on vermiculite? I think there is. It's it's, it's like, like a real fine, almost like styrofoam. Yeah, right? it's like these tiny little foam balls. Almost is what right. they look like. It's a natural ingredient that's uh, uh, you can get out of uh, various. Um, what do you call them? Uh, it's uh, mined. It's mined. Yeah, yeah. somewhere it's out in mineral. the west. Yeah, it's a mineral. So the reason you use vermiculite and peat moss and compost is the vermiculite holds moisture. So when you water this material, in fact, they use vermiculite in a lot of like plant uh, soils. Like potting soil. Potting soil, yeah. yeah, So it holds the water really well. So when you water it, it'll keep that moisture content there. You use the peat moss and the compost and you add to it and you have this great organic compound to grow plants in and they grow quite well in it. And don't ask me why. I'm not a chemist or gardener, so I can't really explain why. I just know it works. Now, and here's the other tidbit of information. As you use this system, you create your box. You can create, you could create a one square foot garden if you wanted. Or typically they recommend. Or you just buy a plastic pot at uh, You could do that as well. Yep. Yeah, you could do that that as well. But it's more efficient to do uh, a a four by four. So you have 16 sections. Each one exactly a foot. You actually measure out. The sections, you you can pull string across to make them foot and divide them up, or the preferred method is to use some other material that'll hold up better, like but strips not, of wood. But if you build or a four-foot by four-foot yep. um, container, it doesn't have dividers in it, does That's it? That's what I'm talking about. You create those dividers. So why wouldn't you just fill it all in with dirt and then just put in your 16 plants or whatever. Why do, you, you, why do you need the dividers? Well, look, first of all, let me talk about how you use what how you should make your dividers. You should either rip thin pieces of wood if you have a table saw 
and most handy guys, a lot of handy guys do. You can use blinds or some kind of material you just find around, you know, okay. like the strips from a from a Venetian blind or whatever. And how deep are these? Are they you a just foot put, deep? Uh, it only needs to be six inches deep to your box for most plants. Okay. It can be more, but uh, they've decided that six inches is enough for most plants, unless you're doing carrots or something. And we'll talk about that. Now, to answer your question, why do you divide it up? Well, you need to know when you go to plant your seed, depending on the plant, and the book, Square Foot Gardening Book, I tell you there's references on the internet, each plant, depending on what it is, you can get various amounts of plants per square foot. And for instance, hmm. I think if it's a lettuce seed, you can get nine plants maybe. If it's a, a tomato, you can only get one plant per square foot. If it's uh, other plants, you can get up to 12 or 16 per square foot. And so you want that dividing up there because you want to make sure you give your plants room. And as they grow and spread out, it, it, would be, it would be kind of getting clumsy if you hadn't put those dividers there. It's very important because when you're done with a plant, you'll pull them out and you'll replant something new for the, during the summer. So you can get more than one season out of your different squares. So you're doing like a spring, summer, fall sort of if, a rotation. If all goes well, you can get several growing seasons depending on the plant. Like tomatoes take many more weeks if you do it from seed, uh, especially. Even if you do it sure. from a, a bought plant, it's going to go into August. But other plants like lettuce, you can get them in in the spring and then do it again in the fall. Spinach is cooler weather. You do it in spring and fall. And then you do a summer plant in between. And so it's really helpful to have those squares. You need to know what's what. And you need to map it all out. You need to know, you know where things are. But the great things about this system, you can't really overwater it because if you water it too much, it'll drain through. And if you're, you do need to water it every day, but if you forget a little bit, that vermiculite will help keep, retain some of that moisture. Okay. So it's compost, yes. vermiculite, and peat moss. Right. And the, the, the hardest ingredient there, well, vermiculite, if you go to a, I, I just kind of for fun went to a big box store and asked for it. And the, the guy was like, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> he started asking around and of course they didn't have it. But um, I had to go to a specialty, a, a local nursery to find it. And... Um, the thing is with compost, here's the deal. Your ultimate goal is to make your own compost. Sure. Okay? And, and I, we could do a whole show on that. But the, the bottom line is as plants, as you cut plants out and, and don't use various plants or they die, you then have your, your organic matter to add to your compost bin. Right, like tomatoes. When you're done with right. the tomatoes, or you've got all the stalks and right. stuff like that. Tomatoes that a bug got or exactly. something like that all go in the compost Along bin. with some grass clippings, along with some food items and vegetables and other things sure. that you don't eat, um, can all go in there into your compost bin. And then as time goes on, the only thing you ever need to add to this box uh-huh. is compost. That's it. So when you're pulling a plant out and adding a new one or replanting and you need to fill in kind of the spot where it left, uh, you just put in compost, mix it in, and you're ready to go. So you never have to add more vermiculite, and you never have to add peat moss again. Huh. And so when did you start your square foot garden? I planted it a little bit late. Ideally, around here in Pennsylvania, you want to get it going kind of in late March. You could even get your seeds going indoors beforehand. I did not plant mine until April 15th. And after about four weeks, four to five weeks, I had lettuce and spinach ready to eat. Okay, what else did you plant? Lettuce, spinach, arugula, arugula. I don't. Uh, what is that? Swiss chard. It. It's a it's a leaf uh, that's similar. It's an it's another green lettuce type pro- something you'd put in a salad. Okay. It has a little bit different flavor and it adds some variety. 
Uh, I know that there's some story about Obama asking for arugula when he was campaigning in Iowa and all the farmers looked at him like he had two heads or something. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I like arugula Swiss chard. That's and rainbow another, shard. That's another leafy. Brian, something. man, you're not you're not getting good good food. It's, you know, go Swiss to the shard, salad bar at the. And uh, they don't yeah. have Swiss shards. Swiss shards another really nice ingredient. You gotta. Uh, it's okay. it's great to add for salads, uh, beets, and we're gonna eat the greens from those as well. A lot of people don't know you can eat greens from your beet plants. Oh yeah, I did um, not know that. Uh, in, in some, are you gonna pickle your beets? Uh, no, I don't think so. They probably won't be big enough. We have uh, tomatoes, cucumber. Uh, the cucumber's not doing so well. And again, as a rookie, I'm going to learn here what what works, what doesn't, and what I where I messed up. That was but, one thing my dad always had good luck with was cucumbers. Yeah, that's good to know because mine aren't doing so great. Snap peas. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I missed? Uh, well, you mentioned onions. carrots earlier, and you got to okay. do something different yeah. with carrots. Did so you, you plant can, carrots? So I haven't yet, but you can for certain plants that are deeper. You can do a couple things. One is you can have a separate box, and we were thinking about putting it on our back deck. And just using a planter for that, just a pot, and do carrots in that. Or, and you use the same material. Or um, you can also uh, take, you could take your your main box and add sort of a sub box sitting on top of that square foot and then put in more dirt in that. So it's kind of like an extension on that one okay. foot. And that's what you can do for some for some of those ingredients like carrots or some of those items. So you can plant almost anything. And so we're just starting, we're starting small, but I think we'll probably do it bigger next year. We're going to do like a 16 by four. And, uh, can really, you plant rows of corn? Uh, these things? Well, what you can do is you build a trellis. So you can do, say, cucumbers and tomatoes and other things. And hey, hey let me interrupt. Yvonne. You know we have a trellis plant yeah, on our website. It's pretty popular. I built a trellis. Did you see my trellis? I have not. <laughs> so yeah, we have a trellis plant on our website, and we ought to. Uh, this one is actually just the square foot garden right out of the book. Okay. And it uses electrical conduit and trellis netting. It's very simple, but it works. So you can grow up, is what it's called, when you use vine-based plants and you you train them up your trellis. So. So yeah, it's amazing what you can do with a box. And you can have, if you have a, an apartment and you have a little deck, you can do a two by two or a one by four or something like that. And the nice thing is weeds. You hardly have any weeds. Why because is that? There are no words, there are no weeds in peat materials. moss, there are no weeds in compost, and there are no weeds in my Well, in vermiculite. compost, you might have tomato seeds or cucumber, you know, if you're putting... Things like that in your compost. Yeah, you would that think you would think, but I maybe don't, you don't want. Uh, it doesn't seem to be an issue. I don't huh. know if it, they break down with the compost in the composter that this even the seeds break down. But um, I have hardly had any weeds, and I've had it going now for what a month and a half. I've pulled out an occasional he- thing here or there. It's really meant to be five minutes a day, and it, and it has. It's not been any more work on a four by four than five minutes. That's tops. So. It's very simple. Um, you mentioned uh, the, 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 the out, it, it produces per square foot probably more than what you'd get in traditional row farming. And, and you can get to it. It's not backbreaking because you can reach, you know, you, only, you don't do an eight by eight. You do a four by four. You can reach to every square from around it. And, you know, you're walking around the square, four by foot garden so yeah back breaking my dad had a 17 horsepower rototiller <laughs> that was like a 1970 something craftsman that weighed 300 pounds yep don't have to worry about that tilling through the backyard with that ever again now brian they will say though when you start this system if you don't have your own compost you're supposed to use three different kinds 
of compost because sometimes if you get it from one place, it's not varied enough and what they use may not be good. So you need to be careful about that. But if you can find those ingredients, I went to a nursery that had them all ready to go. They were all ready for square foot gardeners. They they gave you a whole kit of all. I had three bags of compost, one big thing of peat moss, and a big bag of vermiculite done, ready to go. So you didn't make your own compost? Not yet. I'm planning on it, on getting a composter, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet on which one. I'm going to get one that is... All right, well, save it for a show. Save it well, for I got to get show. one that's, uh, let's say, uh, approved by the neighbors. You know, it sits outside and doesn't look like a composter necessarily. Or at least not like a trash can. <laughs> not, not a big pile, just, and not a big pile right, in not the a corner big, of the Which yard. is ID, probably the best way to go, but I'm going to get an enclosed composter. We can talk about that in another show. But that's it. If you have any questions on square foot gardening, you can obviously check out the square foot gardening site, or which is that? Why don't we hand out that information? And, uh, we'll give them some free publicity. Well, you can go to squarefootgardening.com. It's pretty simple. And uh, if you have questions for us, feel free to email us or contact us about our gardening or our handy guy experiences. Right. I'm not and, doing a garden this year, Paul. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Maybe next year. The Handy Guys will be back next week. Same handy time, same handy website.